Hey, welcome to Ask Mom and Dad. We are here again after a conversation Tanya and I started last time on, um, what were we talking about? Socialization. socialization. Not socialism, but socialization. <laughs> um, we've checked to make sure all of our chemicals in our brains are keyed up, our oxytocin and not not our ox never mind that was last week's joke it's old anyway um we want to pick up on where we left off there we talked about a lot of things last time um real quickly just the question of socialization and whether or not that is real in the in the um in the definition of that what we're trying to do with socialization is help our children become functional adults i think that's where i was going with that well yeah, let's re-quote that again because sure. I, I think right it's valuable to to consider what the quote definition. This is a definition from some guy named Durkin. Who is he? Yeah. From I don't know. Durkin's a cool name. Nineteen ninety-five. The socialization can be more accurately defined as, this is what how he defines it, the process whereby people acquire the rules of behavior and systems of beliefs and attitudes that equip a person to function effectively as a member of a particular society. So we would say as adults or as, right, where our goals are is that they're going to grow up to be able to function as adults. And like you had yeah, pointed out, one thing is that they are able to um, confidently know who a little bit of who they are which they'll be discovering all their lives but a little bit of what they can participate how they participate in society how they interact with others in this if they don't here here's what i really want to address if they don't know their own belief their this this said um rules of behavior and systems of beliefs and attitudes that equip a person to function effectively as a member of society, not that has to adopt what that society or that culture well, I think, yeah. believes or thinks. And, the, and really I've, want to jump on that. I'm sorry. Finish your thought. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, I was just going to say, so if that child, or we're talking about children, when they were growing them up, um, understands what they believe, believe what their beliefs are, who, what that construct is that they're going to rule their life by allow their um allow everything to fall on and we've talked about this in previous podcasts and how the foundation to me is the most important thing because yeah. it doesn't matter what they encounter it doesn't matter who they encounter if they don't know that first nothing's going to gauge what their behavior is going to be later on i mean you can set up a a system of rules but why you know, right. why be nice? Why not kill somebody? Why? I mean, yeah, no. It can be How do we extreme. know murder is a bad idea? Exactly. Right. What all the extremes of either sides of those? Well, so I, I believed when we were homeschooling, and I wanted to homeschool way back before we even had children. I think because I believe you've been that, teaching me all these years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I believed that there was something that was innately. Res- responsible about that that God had given if God gives me a child then that's it's mine before him to be responsible for what that child understands and knows particularly to me about him mm-hmm. and then how to interact with others is based on that to me because that's my belief system so my belief system is based on obviously I would start with the Ten Commandments and, and God's word and his love for my child and for me that that permeates everything we do so when we um, when we chose to homeschool, I made our theme verses. There was a couple different places in the Bible, but um, specifically Proverbs chapter two. 
uh, the beginning first six verses. And to me, it kind of answers everything. It answers academics. It answers behavior and social norms. It also answers a uh, system of belief and attitudes that they can interact with society and, and they'll be uh, they'll be accepted is not the right word. They'll be able to interact and, and functional mm-hmm. at the same time as they'll be able to stand up against what they don't believe or, you know, what is Well, and, and your answer... So I thought I might ahead. read that. Yeah, please, read the Bible. Should I? Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Just those couple And, and I'll, come, I'll come back to it and tie it in with something you said last week real quick. But okay. Go for it. My son, if you receive my words... Where are you reading first? I'm reading from Proverbs 2, 1 through 6. I just said You said that. that. I'm sorry. Um, And this is, of course, going to refer back to the Word of God. So my son, this is God, or this is God's, yes, the spirit of wisdom. If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, treasure then you will understand the fear of the lord and find the knowledge of god for the lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding he stores up sound wisdom for the upright and he's a shield to those who's, who walks in integrity it's just so much the rest of that chapter is even guards the path of justice watching over the way of his people it's so important to me that they understand that all knowledge mm-hmm. anything that's worth learning is comes from god all knowledge, all wisdom. God is the ultimate source of that. So why would I trust someone out in the culture to teach my child? With no foundation. Yeah. Right. Well, and and even so, to have decided without my interaction what is best. Right. I, I don't have a problem with, you know, maybe there's a group of people who get together and decide this is this is right to teach children. But I haven't been in on those classrooms or in on those curriculum meetings or whatever. I haven't looked at every um, in and out of how, and I don't expect that teacher to be accountable to me. That That's, you know, they've chosen a field of that I think is worthwhile because a lot of parents can't choose. They've chosen to work or they've chosen, you know, different settings that academically they can pass um, on their education to someone else. But the bottom line is if I don't set that precedent at my home, whether or not academically I teach every ounce of what they learn is irrelevant to me because where I've started with is all wisdom and all knowledge comes from God. So you, then anything else that can be added to that. And you, yeah, and the, anything else that can be added to that. You you left off on that last week before be we ran him, out of time. <laughs> and, um, and you were saying that um, something along the lines of you believe that if you surrounded um, them with good books – <laughs> that uh, as far as yeah. teaching them, you know, the complications, there's the, cause there's the three categories in this question that was, um, or this definition was influence, activity, and exposure. Um, you know, are we, are they being exposed to the things that they need to be exposed to so they can function in the world? One of the critics would say that, you know, they go out into the world and when they do, they, it's all foreign to them because they've been sheltered by their yeah, parents who want the them to I'm only worship, you know, for. you know, they, they won't have a clue. They'll be just... <laughs> It would culture shock all the time. Well, I think we can prepare them for culture and just say, <laughs> yeah, you know. It's, from our vantage point, I mean, though. We, we have a biblical foundation that says we're aliens in this world anyway. So we start <laughs> out kind of understanding that we. Sci-fi. Yeah. N- not that kind, but <laughs> it would be an interesting series. Um, the uh, 
So anyway, you're t- we're talking about influence mostly right now. And so you're saying the first foundation is coming. The first influence on us comes from the Bible. You send a kid off to a public education system, especially one that doesn't value that same foundation. As a parent, you have to be actually more involved in the school to be checking yeah, those values. Exactly. Whereas if you're homeschooling, you can prepare them for a worldview that doesn't value what you do. Yeah. But, and just, that was my experience with our kids. They, when we, cause oh, just for full disclosure, we didn't homeschool our kids all the way through. We one yeah. child one and he the, is the yeah. weirdest of our children. And um, okay, I hope he doesn't hear this. No, he would mm-hmm. say he is the weirdest oh, of our he, children. Yeah, this true. is he the would. guy who made a hat yeah. out of duct tape and wore it proudly in Walmart. That's a good point. And so no, never mind everything that we're going to say from this point for you. We've just demonstrated to you that homeschoolers and kids are weird, <laughs> but, but, but that's, uh, that's, but he's kind of proud of that and really yeah, has become so. a very functioning adult. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he would say, uh, something good about it though. <laughs> <laughs> he's the man. And, um, and he's you know, made it through how many, uh, re-ups in the Navy though now. And, you know, still they haven't like kicked him out. Weird he's anything. managed to deal with a whole bunch of other interesting <laughs> people, but, um, but he went, he's the only one that went all the way through. Um, And by his own choice, we gave our kids a choice. And I said that when we first started homeschooling, I want to make sure that we handle the influence in the years where they're most formative. That's exactly what I want to say real fast, because we talked in the last podcast about um, starting out very early, understanding that literally the day they're born, they're under your influence and you, everything you do is going to be shaping who they are. And it's going to be, you start teaching them at that moment you start socializing them at that moment. So yes, um, then when you get up to academics, then you can kind of let them make help you make some decisions about where they want to go. Right, right. So when Josiah, our oldest, got that to high school, he didn't really care about going to um, public school. He wasn't really interested. But I'll tell you that he was really um, extracurricular-wise. He was involved with uh couple of schools and a, he volunteered he was a dancer who was involved in ballet yeah, so he, he did, did all kinds some, of things that he wouldn't have been encouraged to he do did necessarily he in did, high school yeah he um, played instruments he did all kinds of uh so it wasn't as if he just you know sheltered at home but he was well, a that, reader he loved to read and so that ex- he and that goes to exposure just on a side note i want to be real quick quick because we kind of do have both sets of homeschool kids in this in this world yeah, we, did. we had the one who just geeked out at home but mm-hmm. was he not exposed to um everything he needed to be exposed to. Um, no, he, we, there was a way to expose, and there still is, especially now, homes, schools are much more cooperative with homeschool families than they ever yeah, have they been. Be you know, he was in, well he, he was in orchestra. Was he, he, did he do orchestra? Yeah, he did. He played bass mm-hmm. in the orchestra. Um, he was involved that was in con- his- more of a youth community orchestra, though, that wasn't at a school. Yeah, that was, a, it was still, but there are, that's the thing. There are yeah. community orchestras. There's places oh, and they absolutely. aren't just full of homeschoolers. Most of the time, orchestras well, are... are full of very smart people from various <laughs> ethnicities. There's um, rec department um, interactions and in sports too, as well as academics at high schools and, and such. So yeah, there's lots of opportunities. Yeah. It's not just saying that homeschool children just go to church or their special club or whatever, and that's the only mm-hmm. place they ever get socialized. No. We exposed our kids to many different varieties of activities. And I do think it's important to recognize that you're right. Our son's in the Navy, which means he's been around the world a little bit. And um, and he's, and he, and I think I've never heard him come back to me ever saying that it was weird or odd to be in other places. He just engaged the world with a sense of wonder to say, this is yeah, amazing. Oh my goodness, People yeah. who come back are different. They think. And he got the chance to live in Italy and to literally when he was, um, I want to say he was probably uh, upper 
elementary, like sixth grade or so. He was fascinated with the Pompeii, the book. We had a little uh, couple interactive books that were on, like, um, you know, the Pompeii volcano, the covered the whatever. So when he lived in Italy, he literally lived within an hour of yeah. Pompeii. And he went a couple times. And he times. got to be, yeah, oh my goodness, I got to visit him myself. And the other one, Herculaneum there, that were both Mount Vesuvius um, explosion. Yeah. So um, Future to me, of Washington State that's right kind of coming full circle and living the full homeschool life because he got to live a little bit of that at home without feeling the, because the, the thing I notice about kids who kind of grow up more public school or whatever they're not really allowed to do what might be really interesting to them they they may or may not if they have a really great teacher they may be able to kind of uh that's so living you know in a one of the one of the classroom but i'm sorry i mean to interrupt but you just said something so vital that one of the biblical tenets i have a pen i can point at you one of the biblical tenets is that we should train up a child according to the way he should go people oftentimes um mess with that and make it sound like the most you know punishment or whatever. But that's not what that verse is saying. It's saying, see where the child is wired and bend him, take him towards that bent. In other words, the parent is is more able to see what a child is is gifted or, or desirous towards, and you can do that. And you were saying um, just now that, you know, you can... The, the school system in a rigorous curriculum, we must have the balanced thing. I mean, we could spend um, a period of time not dealing with one subject matter at all because the child is really latching into um, this historical subject matter. And so we can give all the time to that, and then we can start bringing in these other things later on as they're needed. Mm -hmm. You took a great books approach um, early on with them and said we're going to read as broadly and, and, as, and experience nature and those kinds of things. Yeah, and kind of. It was uh, based on an educator named Charlotte Mason who – believe that children should not it should not ever be dumbed down for them that they should be given the highest of knowledge the best of <laughs> that sounds the opposite um, of the school system that we yeah, are right the best of art supplies the you know the the best of all worlds and then it kind of laid it at their feet they will do whatever they're supposed to do with it whatever their brains connect to they'll connect to you and know it's, it's funny it's kind of exciting because i read dickens to them and everything and they were glassy-eyed as yeah, and you guys will watch but Dick we still talk about it and yeah. and they love those moments even if they didn't absorb every bit of all the flowery language of a charles dickens novel they appreciated First of all, they appreciated time, the time I spent reading to them. So to me, that's the very first piece. I'm showing them I care about them, number one, because I'm, I'm not doing something else. I'm right there with them teaching, you know, and, and reading to them. So kids appreciate just that the parent has has paid attention to them. Then the second part of that is that you are their challenger. You really are their one that's going to introduce what is values and what is you know, so you can talk about, um, you're, you were saying to um, introducing them into, like, exposing them to cultural things or whatever. Well, the bottom line is you want to, quote, expose them from your own angle, your own understanding, and teach them how you <laughs> see the world because they're going to be exposed quote exposed, exposed you know at the yeah. friend's uh, basement when they're watching this movie or at the such and such but if you aren't there with them helping them through that there's movies they've seen that i didn't know they've seen that it's going to be fear driven it's going to be it's going to be intimidating to them and if they're meant to in those social constructs to just buck up and take it then they're they're 
friends or their peers or whoever it is are going to tell them how to behave to it, how to react to it, how to whatever. So it's it's really important to me that that we as parents take on that responsibility that we are their value teachers. We are their we are their actual literal first teachers. Anyone else that's speaking into their lives should be secondary, should be, you know, yeah. and it, and it's going to be true no matter if you take that on as a responsibility or not. Yeah. They're going to look at your life as the adult in their in their life, the guardian, the initial the, adult, the Yeah, first. and they're going to value what you value. They're going to um, believe what you believe, whether or not in in truth they're going to chase not, you what you chased. Out. Yeah, I, I think, um, and I think in the exposure thing too. One of the things that came to my mind when you were talking about it was, you know, exposing them to culture. Well, we got to choose what culture we expose them to. You you expose them to, you know, 18th century English literature. You expose them to that's culture. You expose them yeah. to um, uh, Greek and Roman culture. And the education aspect of it is is broad. It, it's interesting to me today that there's a lot of kids coming out of the public school system that don't, that even, don't understand even know the American the, culture. That's what I was going to say. Not don't even know own, American history, let alone history yeah, of other They couldn't tell countries. you what, um, and, and I, I'll grant you, I can't quote the amendments of the Constitution one by one. We know the ones that are constantly But if you're like me, you could know, you could say most of the preamble of the Declaration of, the, of Independence because we were challenged to challenged say to that. Right? that sucker yeah and and so it's it's funny to me because people so what the question is if people can't tell you what basic american history is because there's a there's currently a war in our culture as to what basic american history is there shouldn't be but there is because there are people that want to dismantle it and reshape the way our countries they want to they want to reshape our country based upon our mistakes rather than our ideals and i think that's a huge mistake to try and fo- if you focus on the failings of people you create a failing people uh, tweet that that's really good yeah that's a good one and if you <laughs> well if you, and it's um, true if you not that we tweet but you know <laughs> that's true though because that's true about people as well if you focus on their their failures their weaknesses they're gonna feel weak but if you focus on their strengths you highlight who they are you're gonna you're gonna pull them up to another level so right. that's the right. same with cultures and same with um just education in general, but yeah. So we read this book called "This Country of Ours," and it and it was just a first person narrative of um, the United States uh, history. And I'm trying to think now if we even made it all the way through it. But but the kids really enjoyed that. We also read something called, which is one of Josiah's favorites still to this day. I think um, uh, "Our Island Story," and it's actually going all the way back to England and where we came from and how most of this continent comes from that part of Europe. You know, most of uh, Americans would trace their mm-hmm, roots back mm-hmm. to uh, Eastern Europe or Western Europe. Anyway, so um, things like that 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 connect to children, though those are those are academic slants. But I would still say, all the way back to um, talking about the socialization thing, the point of teaching children to interact is that they first must interact with their parents. And then with their own siblings. And and I would just, um, I would say as much as there are, you know, single um, children who are born into and don't have siblings or whatever, put them with other children of like um, heart, of like uh, parents that you know you would like, you know that are going to raise your children similar to the way you want to. So... That's why we would encourage church, because we know that at least the people that are going there are attempting 
um, to understand and trust in God and and to bring their children up to know that. Now there are some and, and let me, various. Let me, let me even point churches. back to what I just said. If you focus on the negative, people see church as a negative. And for the mm, life of me, that I, I, I can't understand why. I mean, I can't understand why. Because church tells you something that you don't want to hear. You know you're broken and you need other people. <laughs> um, and yeah. most people, which is odd to me, because most people, if you push them in a corner, they'll tell you they're broken. But they don't want to live that vulnerably in in public. They don't feel safe to do so. Another product of our culture. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, but church is the message of church. And I've said this throughout my ministry, and I'll continue to say this. God has a best for you. He didn't make you to function dysfunctionally. <laughs> and nobody in the, this world buys a car and says, now I hope it doesn't run right. You, you know, God doesn't intend for that for his people. Instead, he takes broken cars and he makes them run optimally, yeah. not just right, optimally. Well, and whole, so I think it's important mm-hmm. to understand that when you go to church, the focus in a church, and, and I'm going to just give this to you as a guide for church functioning. If your church doesn't leave you both aware that you need to grow and mature, that there's brokenness in you, right. but yet with a sense of hope that you can be shaped into something yeah, better. If always. you don't have that balance, you're in the wrong church. If you're constantly condemned, you're in the wrong church. If That's you right. always feel good and don't think anything's wrong with you, you're in the wrong church. <laughs> there's That's a there's right. a weighing, a balancing of understanding in a broken world how a perfect God desires to make us function in the way that we're designed. Well, and again, to trust that God gave us a guidebook, that everything about his word is trustworthy. Then when I was reading that, from Proverbs, that first um, few verses, if you take what that's saying is that this whole entire word that he's given us, that he's sanctioned throughout literal millennia of history, that he has preserved since way B.C., um, like that you know, system. more than any other book. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's more related than any yeah. other, uh, more trustworthy than any other book that exists. Then bottom line is, probably worth a look and probably worth teaching your children from. Right. So I, I want to add back in this, um, the beginning of this chapter again from Proverbs 2 says, my son, if you receive my words. So I would also encourage you and treasure my commandments within you to find a church that believes the Bible and that sticks to the Bible mm-hmm. and does not compromise it because Doesn't it's so it valuable. Yeah, mm-hmm. so valuable. You're not going to understand everything in it and you're not going to be able to live everything in it. That's not the point. The point is it's God's message to you. It's his heart to you. It's his constant words into your heart in life. And if you're giving that to your children, then you're always going to be giving them wisdom and instruction and trustable commandments, trust, trustworthy um, hope, like you were saying. On down further past that verse that I read, uh, it says he's this person that, um, well, let me back up to verse six. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints or his people. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Hello, all the themes that are going on in our culture right now? Does it really say equity? Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and equity in every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul Discretion will watch over you. What every parent wants is to take care of that child and protect them. 
Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the way of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, and men whose paths are crooked or who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from, and then it, then it talks about being delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress, from the companion that's not trustworthy, one that forgets to be in covenant with God. So much of the scriptures are meant to guide our children. That's mm-hmm. the whole entire point. If they will well, but yeah. seek and trust that, that the wisdom from their parents is also going to be you know, t- pointing them toward yeah. God. So the encouragement there, parent, is if you don't have a solid understanding of a we and we kind of started there our foundational influence for us as parents is the bible we believe that the bible is the best rule of life that mm-hmm. and we believe that because we believe that god is the giver of life now if you don't Absolutely. have that foundational belief you're going to work from a different place um but and, and i don't want to say that you can't raise children but you know, it's, you're it's not going to raise them in the way we would. And um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I just. Well, and I want to add one more verse in Isaiah that gave quite a few homeschoolers around me a lot of comfort um, is that the bottom line, no matter what you do, no matter what you speak into your children, God is really their teacher. And Isaiah ultimately will. what you want to do is point them to him because Anything like we read in Proverbs, anything that is true wisdom or true knowledge is going to come from him, and he's their best source. But also he's their 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 best lover, their best protector, their best guardian of all um, their lives. But in Isaiah 5, chapter 54, verses 13 and 14, it says, All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you will be established, you shall be shall be far from oppression for you will not fear and from terror for it will not come near you the this whole chapter is just on eternal covenant and peace and how god has made himself available to everyone how he's handed he's literally put out his hand and said take my hand i'm going to walk with you I'm gonna, mm-hmm, and you can mm-hmm. trust me and that is the reassurance that our children are also going to be t- taught by him if we are trusting him then that will be the natural outflow is our children will learn to trust yeah, him. And, and I guess I can build on that too because it says in verse 15, if anyone attacks you, it's not from me. Whoever attacks you um, will fall before you. And it's saying that God is our ultimate father. And, and again, you know, we talked last time about um, single parenting. And I think if you find yourself, you know, as a mother or father in this, I think the beautiful thing is we need to understand that God created the soft side of love and the hard side of love. <laughs> so God is the balance. And he is the one that gives us the, the proper ability to function within the right tensions in life. And, um, and, I, and I think it's important to understand that what I just said about church. Church doesn't attack people. It builds up people. That's um, right. And I was, I was reading, uh, I've got, well, I could go into my quiet times and tell you some of the things <laughs> I was reading. I was reading of the Apostle Paul as he was trying to make the argument that his, his um, ministry uh, was valuable. And in the, in that argument, he was saying, this is who I am. This is who, and what had happened is people had come into the church and began comparisoning. They, <laughs> I made a new Bring word, comparisoning. Yeah. <laughs> they were comparing Paul to themselves and 
Paul's not as good a speaker as I am or as good a speaker mm, as this person sad. is. And Paul actually doesn't come in to say he's a better speaker. He actually argues that he's on solid footing with the rest of them. And his argument is, I'm as, I am as able to speak into this situation as anyone here. He does make the point even more. But then he says, because of his background and his training and those kinds of things. But then he says, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I have a voice in this. And he's making the argument that, what what I walked away from that was is as a follower of Jesus, we speak not to tear down anyone, even people who might be tearing us down. We speak to say we have a voice and our voice matters and to, and to build up, not tear down. That's why he used the word tear down in this. So the his argument was to say, I'm here to build you, not to tear you down. I have the courage to say what needs to be said. And so as a parent, we need to be busy about saying, how do we build up our children? And that does include correction and discipline. Those are things you can't just ignore. You don't just let yeah. your child fall into whatever shape he wants to. If you don't put walls around water, you're just going to have a puddle. You need to put <laughs> it in a glass so you can drink it. It's useless on the floor. Um, and so anyway, I, I just, uh, that that influence, that foundation, exposure to the right things is our responsibility as parents. Mm-hmm. And if, if you send your kid to school, you don't forfeit that responsibility. You're a fool to do so. You have to understand, you've just invited, you have to work harder. Yeah. And so that brings me to the last two things that I want to deal with. And the last one's activity. Um, We did let our other kids, I think all of them, actually go to some form of public slash hybrid school along the way. (laughs) Our three girls all were just desperate to go to high school. They wanted to participate in the high school thing because they unfortunately made friends. And fortunately, they made friends. And unfortunately, went to prom and all that. All they went to all say, those things. Yeah, it's yeah. not worth it. <laughs> yeah. but, oh, I want to say one more thing. It's just now it's going to seem random in the context of things. But you made a comment earlier about on the Charlotte Mason method. It said to give them the best of exposure. And that included everything else. I was going to say the one thing I remember from that that was funny to me was um, having to buy the most expensive colored pencils. I don't know if you remember that. We went and <laughs> yep. and what I want to say to that. It wasn't the most expensive. It was particular. They were just pricey. Yeah, we had to order brands. them at like BIC and we had to go and get them. And mm-hmm. I'm like, they're kids. Why are we buying them? I remember thinking that and you <laughs> and, and you were reading these nice books that we still have and telling me this is why. We want them to experience art. If they're going to love it, they can't be have an obstacle. They need to enjoy it. And so get the best so they can enjoy it. I want to say this. Dads, I worried too much about money. I didn't have any, so I was worried about it for good reasons. But we still found a way to get those things. And as a result, our kids, we one of our daughters likes to draw. She's huge into art as a result of it. Yeah. And so, and paint and those kinds of things. So, so don't let your fear of what you don't have inhibit the opportunity to give something to your child that will enrich mm-hmm. them a long way. So that's Good. that's something I've thought of a while ago. I actually well, remember to the, say it again. But, one of the angles that we did, which I think, you know, comes back to our whole... Uh, which one? Endorphin, dopamine. I'm not sure which one it was. <laughs> our our list. Well, one what was of the it? You're looking best for compliments. Things we ever did or? was called a science journal, but it was, it was just everything that we did um, for science. We drew into a really great uh, drawing. Uh, it would be like a sketch pad, so it was had really good paper. That was another angle on the yeah, good art supplies. Yeah, we write supplies. paper. We were buying art paper. But they were they were legit notebooks, so that they were all contained. We would go to these small little zoos that were like community zoos, and we would stand and draw the animals. And they were again another thing they were supposed to do was be uh, you know put the coloring books away and and legitimate just look at something and draw it. 
because children as you, at one age or another and I can't remember actually the age it is but there's an age where their mind starts to just do like adults do and fill in gaps rather than actually looking at something and seeing lines and being able to draw what they see so there's a, there's a age where they do that and it's kind of interesting because you can you can see it happen you can see a child all of a sudden now draws a stick figure whereas a, uh, you know a couple of years ago or a six months ago they might have drawn like a an arc and then maybe tried to draw an eye or you know in other words it it's a switch well if you can catch those switches and not let them happen or if you can teach a child past those those are all um things that as a uh, homeschooler are fun to learn even my own self i loved learning that about teaching or about yeah, learning yours as a, so as a homeschool teacher you were as much a student as you were a teacher yeah so th- and that gives what i want you know, to kind of add in that is that gives the parent a lot of, uh, I don't know, purpose maybe, but also it, it makes life rich when you can give that to your child. And I know some parents, and one other angle I will say, I know another a lot of parents feel the pressure of money and, and of, you know, supplying what is needed. But I want to, I want to ask you if, if it's possible for you to sacrifice in that area and a little bit maybe of your own pleasure to give to your child that time you've got rather than to go and, and work and, and make lots of money and have a great, you know, huge house or do whatever. But to give that little bit and for a while we ate beans and rice, I think, for a little I don't know. There was, there was those times days. that yeah, I didn't like beans or God rice. always provided for us, but we we sacrificed a little bit that we, we cut some corners, you know, tried to tried to save some things so that I didn't have to go to work. But I also say that we had enough children that if if I would have and had to have put any of them in daycare, it, it wouldn't have balanced out. It would have been no. I don't think so. Well, it, again, every time you so, when they're young, every time you expand their exposure, you're still responsible for them. Yeah. So you know, when you take a homeschooling environment, you actually have control over that exposure. You're saying where they go, and you can do things that reinforce things. And you actually are, that's your that's your job as a parent is to shape them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm saying even financially, I don't think it necessarily outweighs itself for a for a parent if they can give up a little bit of that dream of career or whatever to stay home for a little bit and try to do that. I really think the the rewards are much bigger than you think mm-hmm. they're going to be and the sacrifice is not as difficult. Yeah. But it is is truly a choice to make and it, that piece of it. The other parts of it, no matter whether you've put a child in regular, you know, public school setting or any other school setting, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway I want anyone to get from this is that they are their children's teacher. Yeah. So no, and they're and they're their social guide. The socialization. So no matter who they're with or what they're doing, they are their social um, instructors or help or guide or whatever. So take them, take them to church, take them to the cross, take them to the Bible, and then put them in places where they can get to know some really good people with some good character. Um, yeah, and make friends that are are going to be valuable to them later. You know that. Well, the other piece in this was activity. You know, and I I'm, I read activity as, um, you know, do they get enough exercise? Well, our, our kids have never been. They, yeah. they they developed pretty normal. They were they round and pudgy the when they were little. Then to, they hit their yeah. teens and they got pudgier. And then the boys, particularly, just got physically fit and they got <laughs> seventeen feet tall. Or at least I'm the shortest of the men in my family. No, Josiah's shorter than me. Everyone. Wait, is Josiah shorter than me? Yeah, I think he is. All my other boys are big. 
tall. I'm big. They're tall. Anyway, so activity, you can expose, you, you can take your kids and find things for them to do. We, we, were, we oh didn't have to constrain. When we yeah. wanted to go for a hike, we just went for a hike. We didn't yeah. have to wait. Oh, they got school today. They got yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. You know, we spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in the desert trying to figure out how to do Charlotte Mason stuff well, in like the desert. In, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like I said, you can take them to places like museums and um, and zoos and such and that is their school so they draw the animals but they also learn about this particular animal and what's habitat is or they you know they learn this or that angle if you're at a museum they can apply some of the things they're learning some of the things you have to counter because not mm-hmm. all the information's <laughs> true and so you, you go home and you talk about what was good and what was not you know there's so many different different ways i mean Literally, even just when we were in the desert, it was difficult because the the foliage was kind of all the same. There was only so many cactus and, you know, sage bush and uh, a few creosote bushes. But anyway, but but when you are able to go out and experience different types of environments like that, kids are learning all the time. And they're watching you and they're learning from you no matter what you're doing, even if it's just that they've come home from school and, and they find out what's important to you or when you've gotten up in the morning and sent them off, you know, you sent them to public school, whatever, what did you do first before? Did you read your Bible before you sent them out? Did you talk to them for a few minutes and let them know they, that you love them and that, you know, that you're praying for them that day or whatever, those types of things matter. Even, even if you're not going to actually just teach them at home. I'm listening to this and I'm thinking that, um, really homeschooling is, um, the definition of socialization is um, everything that school is. It, you know, they, I know that people are saying, "Well, is, are they getting an activi- enough activity?" Well, if socialization is teaching them to be an adult that functions in society. Then you're teaching them where their influences should come from and what they can trust. Yeah, you're teaching and them you're, how that, they should. You're ex- watching the movies with them, and you're <laughs> saying, "Well, is this smart or is that good or and, is this valuable?" And our children <laughs> got to watch us debate what was good and not good, especially yeah. when it came to um, to media. And I would okay. always say. I'm not going to say this is a confession because it's not really. If I wanted to watch something, I'd say I would teach them the critical analysis skills that they need in order to understand how to define this movie. And sometimes that might have been selfish, but that's another thing. Real quickly, I want to point out, you're going to be selfish because you're a human being. Yeah. Um, again, it's you need no to, to know yourself. And that's what places like churches that call you out and say, you know what? You're broken. That was a stupid decision you made. But also to say to you, but let's... Names. let's. Well, sometimes somebody, stupid needs to be called stupid. Somebody that loves you can say... Mm, Maybe what were, you, what were you thinking there? <laughs> well, a, a wise person would say, "Now, could you have made a, a different decision?" <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I we're going to wrap this up. I, I just uh, I just think that it's interesting to say we started this conversation. What about socialization? And we walked down a lot of journey um, as far as where um, what the question is: Are my children going to lack if they are schooled at home? That's I think what parents are f- afraid of. Yeah, and and I think that's also saying something. That you're when you say that you're saying something about yourself. You're saying I don't feel that I have everything that my child needs. I really want to tell you this: you have everything that your child needs <laughs> if you are seeking out the things that you need. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I think it's really, really important that if your if you're asking yourself, "I'm deficient," well, then go find out where you're deficient and you grow. And the most wonderful thing about children is when they're small, they're pretty stupid. And that's like, okay, word. They're, they're not they're smart. Fools, right? They're <laughs> dumb. And so they're just about as smart as you are. So a lot of times, if you have to start reading at a first grade level, okay. that's fine. Learn with your child and, um, and grow with your child. And your child will love the journey more than you will. And they'll thank you for it um, when they're adults as they have us. The Bible says yeah. literally they will rise up and call you blessed. 
which is what your kids say about you all the time. They think you're the perfect woman. Um, no, no. I no, think you're the perfect woman. Let's see which one of those well, is that. <laughs> That's your oxycod- oxycodone. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> Oxytocin. <laughs> your dose. Anyway, thanks so much, Tanya, for sitting down with me for the last how many days we've been talking now. And, um, well, we've been talking for a lot of days, 33 years. <laughs> but, so, Okay. Well, there's some days we didn't talk in there. I'd have to go through and met. Anyway. Bye. I love you. I love you too. Thanks for sitting here listening to us. And I hope Thanks you guys will join us again the next time we ask mom and dad. We, wait. The next time we them. respond to <laughs> questions we've been asked or not asked. Anyway, thanks a lot. You guys have a good one. We'll see you next time. I keep on.